Chapter 14. Edwin, Morcar and Exeter. Part 1. The English earls Edwin and Morcar suffered in this land shake-up, but William was also keen not to annoy them too much, as the king knew how popular these men were with the people. Morcar had been forced to share Northumbria with a Norman called Gospatric, and Edwin had lost a large chunk of land in Mercia. It wasn't a bad deal, the brothers reflected, considering they did start the rebellion in London against William. This trip is pathetic, though, sighed Edwin. We should be trusted more than this. We don't need babysitting by this Norman. Morcar agreed and finished his tankard of ale. Both brothers were trapped aboard the Mora, travelling with William back to Normandy. It seemed that their new king wanted to do a little victory parade in his old land. It made the brothers nauseous to watch such pride. Edgar was with them, along with a bunch of other men that William didn't trust to leave in England while he was gone. You know there's going to be trouble in the marcher lands next to Wales, though, inquired Morcar in a whisper. I heard Edric the Wild is planning on taking back a load of land there. He's as angry as any of us. The two grumpy earls kept the secret from William for the whole trip. They were forced to eat French food, meet more Normans than they ever wanted to see, and even meet William's wife, Matilda. They decided they'd better not be too rude. She would soon be their new queen, after all. Then, a few weeks later, the news of Edric the Wild reached William. My king! yelled one of the nobles in a panic. We must return to England. There's trouble stirring up near Wales. Edwin and Morcar grinned at each other. It seemed Edric was doing a great job. And if it cut their little holiday short, then all the better. The party boarded the Mora with haste and raced back to England, where William rode fast to Wales to stop the rebellion. The two brothers, who had been allowed to keep their titles, returned to their lands, plans of their own rebellion starting to form. Part 2 Edwin and Morcar, however, did not know of a forgotten woman who was about to be the start of a rebellion of her own. Gaitha Godwinson, the wife of Godwin and mother of Harold, Tostig, Swain, Leofwine and Wolfnuth, had taken refuge in Exeter, a strong and protected city with a high stone wall. She had organised a small army to gather in the city. Many were men who'd fought at Hastings. Many were soldiers from London who'd missed Harold Godwinson as he raced through the capital on his way to Hastings. All of these men were well armed and there was a clear strategy in place to hold the city. She had not been broken by the death of four of her five sons, but instead pinned her hope on still having royal influence. Her plan was to put on the throne of her sons from Harold's previous marriage and so still be in the royal family. William had heard about her activities and gathered an army in January 1068 and rode west. When he approached the intimidating city, he was met with some representatives from the town. They were not armed, but negotiated with the king. King William, we do not wish to kill you or your men, but you have been found too forceful in our lands, and the city of Exeter will not stand for the heavy tax you've imposed here. It has made many of our men so poor they cannot eat. We have Anglo-Saxon men who can replace you, who have the blood of Harold Godwinson in their veins, the true King of England. William laughed. Harold Godwinson was a sneak and a thief. He'd stolen the throne, and God had seen to it that he only wore the crown for less than a year. William jumped from his horse and pulled the speaker forward so that all of the soldiers on the city walls could see. The King then shouted up to them. You send me this pathetic man to tell me you want the Godwinsons back in power? That family is dead, and what good did they bring this magnificent country anyway? You will all have surrendered to me before this day is out. Now is your chance to spare your lives. 
There was silence, and William was furious. Why were these Anglo-Saxons so stubborn? Did they not know what a fearsome warrior he was? Holding on to the man's hair, William pushed him to his knees facing the city. Then William used a small dagger to quickly stab out both of the man's eyes. He screamed horribly as blood poured down his face onto the ground, waves of crimson onto the dust. The king pushed him aside and called up. What is your answer now, men of Exeter? There was a pause, and then one young man laughed. He swore at the king, pulled off his armour and trousers, turned around and made a fart in the king's direction. All of the other men started laughing. They were not going to be intimidated by this man from Normandy. But William called to his cavalry and they charged at the city gates, a murderous determination in their eyes. It took Exeter over two weeks to surrender to William. Such was the strength of their army. Gytha slipped away and ran into hiding so that William could not kill her himself. The king was pleased at his victory, but he had been forced to make one concession. The city of Exeter was to be taxed less than the rest of the country for the next 50 years. Part 3 Edwin and Morcar heard of the bravery in Exeter and decided to put their northern plan into action. They were both so popular that they could get local troops from Mercia and Northumbria quite easily. Then, in late 1068, they started attacking the Norman nobles and their lands and houses in the earldoms. William reacted fast. Riding up north, he quickly squashed the brothers' rebellions and brought not only soldiers with him, but builders. This army of men began building a series of castles all the way from London to York. The Mott and Bailey Castle was so quick to make that they had constructed over ten in a matter of weeks. The towering castles served as a reminder to all of the local people that the Normans were in control now and that it wasn't sensible to test their power. Edwin and Morcar fought bravely against the king and his men but failed in their rebellion. They were once again taken hostages by William, but they managed to escape in just under a week, disguised as Normans in the pitch black of night.